And we invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 7. Many times in the Bible, great sermons end with a call for a decision. Choose this day who you will serve. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you may live. I hope those words are familiar to you as we read them this week in our daily Bible reading in Deuteronomy 30. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Moses says, I have set everything before you. Choose. Another great preacher said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river. And in Egypt serve, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Moses and Joshua, in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, in their discussions by calling people to a decision. The consequences are profound. Are you choosing life or death? Are you choosing blessing or cursing? Are you going to serve the God who's blessed you with everything? Or are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites whose land that we just defeated? Choose for yourselves who you will serve. In many ways, Jesus is doing this in the words that we look at today. Jesus is calling for a decision. Basically, the sermon has been preached. The teaching has been delivered. And people are called to make a decision. Let's begin with Matthew 7 and verse 13. And read to the end of the chapter from the New American Standard Bible. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who go in, go through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bring bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, and then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon a rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Breaking this up into sections. In the first section, we find a complete contrast between these two various gates and these two ways. One has a narrow gate, the other a wide gate. One, the way is broad. One, the way is narrow. One is traveled by many one is traveled by few. But most importantly, one leads to destruction. And one leads to life. Do you notice in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. This begins with an imperative. Enter through the narrow gate. In Luke 13, verses 23 and 24, someone asked Jesus the question, are there few who are being saved? They asked him an academic question about the number of people that are going to be saved. And Jesus answered by saying, you strive to enter the narrow gate. The important thing is not how many the number will be, whether it will be great or whether it will be few. The important thing is that you make sure that you are among those who are saved. That's what Jesus is saying by his answer in Luke 13, verses 23 and 24. It says the same thing here. Enter, enter by the narrow gate. For he says, the way is broad, the gate is broad, and the way is, the gate is wide, and the way is broad, that leads to destruction. The entrance is easier, and the path is less strenuous, but it leads to destruction. Do you take a path without knowing? Where that path will lead? Do you do that? This is calling all of us. And I would call all of you, particularly those of you who are younger, to think seriously of these words. When you are picking 
the road to follow. Don't follow just because the entrance is easy. Don't follow just because the way is less difficult. The way has less problems in front of it. And don't follow it just because many are walking that road. Because they may be going over a cliff. Follow the path that you are on. Follow the path that you should take because of where it will lead you. What the destination of that journey will be. And this couldn't set it into contrast any more starkly. On one side is death and destruction. On the other side is life. We want to overview all these verses. We'll come back and highlight particular things about them in conclusion. But I want to tell you, there are a lot of people out there that are trying to mislead you. Some may try to mislead you, thinking that they're directing you in the right path. I think we see that in verses 21 through 23. And there are some who may intentionally mislead you. But there are all kinds of voices about important issues that are speaking and speaking loudly, but may not have any substance. In the Bible, when it tells us to enter the narrow gate, warns us that there are others that are seeking to mislead us. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. These these false prophets, these false teachers, they may they may come and, and they may look harmless. They may even look holy, but sometimes appearances can be deceptive. You remember how Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 about how Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it shouldn't surprise us that his workers disguise themselves as well. Beware of those who are seeking to mislead you. Beware of them. Know that there are people out there who stand in front of college classrooms and have all kinds of degrees attached to their name. Or they are producers of television shows who are trying to get you to adopt a worldview that does not take God into consideration and often is hostile to Him. Beware of those voices. You will know them by their fruits. This passage is beautifully arranged. You notice that statement that you will know them by their fruits. Kind of forms an inclusion in this verse. Appearing both in verse 16 and then in verse 20 at the end of the section. And we are told that grapes are not gathered from thorns, nor figs from thistles. The same kind of statement is made in the New Testament in James chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. 
Every tree, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 12, 33. And the reason some of the Pharisees accused him of doing de- casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul is because they were evil. If you want to change the words you say, change who you are. And it's used in this particular passage. The good tree bears good fruit. The, the evil tree, the good tree bears good fruit. The bad tree bears bad fruit. And they cannot do vice versa. The good tree cannot produce bad fruit. The bad tree cannot produce good fruit. But every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist said that in Matthew 3 in verse 10. When people are trying to persuade you of what you need to do with your whole life, don't accept it face value. Ask yourself, is this right? Is this true? How do I know it's right? How do I know it's true? Beware. That there are people pointing you in a million different directions. And you're going to have to choose what you do with your life. And there is portrayed a judgment day. Not everyone who says to me, See one thing that caught my eye in reading this verse. Not everyone look back at verse eight of Matthew seven. Everyone who asks receives. And who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. That is a promise to everyone. But here We are told that this is not everyone, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And notice how in verse 22, there is a repetition of in your name. Three times, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Those words, depart from me, from Psalm 6 verse 8. As David says to the wicked, depart from me. Jesus uses these words on judgment. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. And apparently, in verse 22, there will be many who will think they are are right on that day who are not. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not cast out demons? And in your name do many mighty miracles? What's this telling us about calling Jesus Lord 
and be his disciples. Maybe there's a better sign of being a disciple. Maybe there's a better invitation of being a disciple than doing than prophesying, than doing mighty miracles, than casting out demons, maybe the better sign is simply to do what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. One popular preacher Stated it this way. He said, suppose. I'm going to leave the home for a while. And I give my children some instruction. I tell them to keep their room clean. I tell them to do this and do that. I'm going to leave them for a while. And I leave them for a while. And I come back and. They said, we're really excited about what you said. Matter of fact, we get together a few times a week and we study about what you said. We talk about those instructions you gave. And we've even learned how to say them and how to read them in Greek. He said, but then I go to the room and I find it's not clean. What good did it do to do all these other things if you're not going to listen to what he said? Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. He talked about judgment day. And he talks about two builders. And again, I love the way this passage is set up. Verses 24 and 25 have great similarities, as do verses 25 and 27. The similarities make the account, excuse me, the contrast make the account, but the contrasts are more powerful when you see all the similarities. Both of these listeners in verse 24 and 26 have heard the same things. They've heard the same things in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine. In verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. Everyone who hears these words, they may be compared and they built a house. Notice in verse 25 and 27, the same situation is described in both verses. The rains fell. In both cases, the floods came. In both cases, the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall. 
No, the first one did not fall. But but you see, so many of the similarities are the same. So many of the things are the same. The contrast are what bring it out. The contrast in verse 24 is between the one who hears these words and does them. And verse 26, the one who hears these words and does not do them. The first one who did those words was a wise man. And he is described as in that process building his house on a rock. The one who doesn't hear these words or the one who hears these words and does not act on them is a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now before we told you beware of false prophets beware of those who seek to mislead you. These men These two builders have not been influenced by that at all. These two men have heard the same thing. But one has built on the rock. One has obeyed Jesus and built on the rock. And one hasn't obeyed him and built his house on the sand. I want to tell you, it may not always be apparent right now how you're building. We live in a time of ease and a time of blessing. And it may not be obvious at all how you're building. But it will be. It will be obvious. For finally when the storms come. The storms come. And the waves rise. And the wind blows. Those who have built well. Their house. Their life will stand and those who haven't they will fall and great was that fall the text says Proverbs 10 25 says when the whirlwind passes the wicked is no more but the righteous has an everlasting foundation Proverbs 10, verse 25. Jesus is revealed as a master teacher in Matthew. He has five sermons. This one has encompassed three chapters. At the conclusion of each of those sermons, they end as verse 28 does. When Jesus had finished these words, it's stated at the end of every section. And here we find... As we do a couple of times, the crowd's being amazed at what he said. The crowds are amazed. In verse 29, he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Notice he says their scribes may be showing the distinction between Jesus and his teaching and uh, the Jewish scribes. We'll talk more about that verse in a moment. But there are three key things 
But I want to bring out and tie these verses and tie these words together. First of all, this account, this whole section today that we've seen is a demonstration of who Jesus is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. The verse was quoted earlier from Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This confession is accurate. We must always reflect it as well in our life. But the confession of Jesus as Lord is correct. But not only notice that in this particular passage, not only is he addressed as Lord, but he is the one who is addressed by us on judgment day. We speak to him on judgment day. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And I will say to them, depart from me. This whole lesson is built upon who Jesus is, his deity, the fact that he is God coming in the flesh. Your eternal well-being depends on whether you hear the words of Jesus and act upon them. If you hear them and don't act upon them, that's going to result in disaster. If you hear them and act upon them, you have built on a solid foundation. He says that in verses 24 through 27. And the Bible tells us they were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority. Jesus doesn't come quoting sources. He doesn't come quoting traditions or appealing to this or that. He comes and he says, I say to you, he teaches in a way different from the Old Testament prophets. They announce their message. Thus says the Lord. He says, but I say to you. Now, either his teaching is presumptuous and arrogant or he is God. And if he is God, we hang on his every word. This church is built on the fact that these are God's words that he is speaking. And that he is who he said he was. The sermon and the conclusion to the sermon focuses on who he is. And this sermon focuses on it focuses on the consequences. Of our decision about him. What will you do with Jesus? I want you to ask yourself that question. What are you going to do with Jesus? We broke this into four sections. In the second section and in the third section, 
that we covered. Only negative results were highlighted. In verses 15 through 20, every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire, verse 19. It highlights the negative consequences of not bearing fruit. Only negative consequences were emphasized in verses 21 through 23. As many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things? And did we not act in these ways in your name? And I will declare to them, I did not know you. Depart from me. Only negative consequences. Depart from me. Friend, those words are so sad. They are so sad. In Genesis 3, in verse 24, man was driven out of the Garden of Eden where he would not have access to the tree of life. Man was driven out of the garden. But that sin had a solution. And the rest of the Bible tells us that solution. The rest of the Bible tells us of the possibility of salvation in Jesus Christ. But for these people, they've rejected this message. They've refused to listen to this. And now it is too late. And their statement, the statement made to them, depart from me, has no remedy. And that does not become less sad because of how many will hear it. Those stories in the middle, those accounts in the middle that we've covered today highlight only the negative aspect. But the first and the last highlight both aspects of punishment and reward. Enter the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter through it, for the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. This road, there is a road that leads to life. The the terms that are used here in this passage, some of them are used to describe Jesus himself in the Gospel of John. Jesus is the door of the sheep in John chapter 10. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14 and verse 6. In a way, Jesus is this road. Jesus is this gate. Jesus is this path. He brings life. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10 in verse 10. I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? All of us, every one of us will stand before God in judgment to give an account for what path that we have taken and what road We have followed one we are told at the beginning will lead to disaster. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12. But that one road will lead to an eternal bliss with God. 
And everybody here, and everybody here this morning, is listening to the words of Jesus. We've read them right from the text. And you are choosing whether you're a wise or foolish builder. Whether you're building on the rock or building on the sand. When you listen to His words and you heed His words, then you are building on a solid foundation and your house will hold in times of storm. But if you are not listening, if you are not listening, you are building your house on sand. And all will see it. You can choose what to do with your life. All of us must make that decision. But we cannot choose the consequences of our decision. But we have a Lord who loves us and gives us those consequences before We dare not minimize judgment because many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, and think they were right when they weren't. But do not doubt that if you seek God, you can find Him. If you seek God, you can find Him. If you want to walk with Him, You can do that. Now, let me tell you one thing that struck me here. In verse 14, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. But I thought, I remember that word find in context. Look at verses 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks and finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Seek and you will find. Everyone who seeks finds. Now that's our same word, fine, here in verse 14. And by the way, the word seek in verse 7, in verse 8, is the same word seek from Matthew 6, 33. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Oh, it is true that many may say, Lord, Lord, who will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. But I want to tell you, if you seek it above all else... You will find it. God is not trying to hide from us. God is not seeking to make the road difficult because He doesn't want us to make it. As I try to say often, God wants you to be saved more than you want that for yourself. God wants your children to be saved more than you want that for them. God wants us to be right with Him. He's not trying to make the road difficult. We have made the road difficult by our sin. 
And he is seeking to bring us back to himself in the midst of a difficult world filled with temptation and sin and trouble and heartache. The travelers on the broad path, the travelers down the narrow path may be few compared to those on the broad path. But they are headed to life. They are headed to life. And if you see that, you seek God's kingdom.